Straight from GateCon The Celebration in Vancouver, British Columbia, GateWorld is proud to present this exclusive interview with actress Elena Huffman, who played Lieutenant Tamara Johansson on Stargate Universe. I hope you enjoy it. Elena Huffman, I've been excited to talk to you for, okay, the show premiered in 2009. Yes. Um, I visited the set before the show was on and everything is very hush-hush. Yeah. Did you uh, have to sign an NDA? We did not sign an NDA, but uh, I did get to see Destiny in person. I got to see the gate in person and we, we met Lieutenant Scott oh. before we saw him on screen. Brian, yeah. Uh, so this is, boy, it feels like a long time in coming to get to chat with you. I know. So thank you for being here. Thanks for being at GateCon. Of course. Thank you. You're, uh, you're just getting started at the convention. How is your, your convention experience generally and what, what is it that draws you to events like this? So, I mean, I've done so much genre work. Um, I always say that I've earned my geek cred because <laughs> it's not like science fiction. It's not something that I'm like, oh, I had to be on sci-fi shows. It just kind of happened to me. And um, I'm just so grateful for it. So it started with, um, you know, uh, the DC world playing the Black Canary on Smallville, which I was doing at the same time as when Stargate started. You know, I know it's, it's quite widely spoken about, but we weren't really well received in the Stargate world. So it was a little rough going. But I, I always felt like when I got to talk to people, when I go to conventions, people were always like, <laughs> at first, when, when Universe first came out, people were like, and I'm like, why are you whispering? <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I was like, you weren't allowed to like it or something. And now people are just like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. You know, we loved Universe, too bad it got canceled. But it was, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of negative for a minute. And, and then, like I said, I've done all these other genre shows. So I did Supernatural, which has got a huge cult following all over the world. And um, so that's predominantly the appearances that I do. And I thought going into that, because I play the Queen of Hell, which is a bad guy, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh God, it's gonna be so hard, it's gonna be negative, but they like that in that oh, world. I love it. So it was very welcoming, and it's been a big part of my life, um, and then I get a crossover, and I've, I've you know, done other genre shows, currently I'm on Riverdale, um, and then most recently, before that, I did a show called The 100. Yeah. I love going to conventions. I think it's a really nice way to connect with people, especially the Stargate family. Like I said, we weren't always as welcomed into it, but when you talk to people, it'd be like a dad and a son, and the son's like towering over the dad, and they're like, we started watching this on Friday nights when he was born, and now he's like, you know, you feel like you're part of people's families. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then again, with other shows, like with Supernatural, it tends to draw a lot of people who have some trouble in their past and who've done a lot of healing through connecting in the fandom. So it's just really nice to be on the ground talking to people. Um, I always say it's like our version of touring. You know, mm -hmm. we, make, we make these art projects in dark warehouses and, and then we get to like show up and, and be a part of people's lives. Yeah. So. There's, there's that distance between what you're doing in the warehouse when you're shooting on a soundstage. Totally. And then the number of months that passes before it, it Years. First impacts people's lives. But, but now we've, we've been sitting with the material and it's soaked into our bones. And you're right, I think there's a love for SGU. Yeah. I hear, as somebody who runs a fan site, I hear new SGU fans every single day come on and say, this, this is my show. Yeah. I want more of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people, too, it, it attracted a, a new type of genre fan. 
And a lot of, for a lot of people, SGU was a gateway to Stargate. So instead of the Stargate fans coming over to us, it was more sort of like, oh, I, didn't, I, I just started watching Stargate, uh, Universe rather, and then watched the other Stargates. I mean, they're all great shows. Um, it's, ni it's a nice family to be a part of, and uh, I'm grateful for the experience. Well, I'm glad that you and David are both here at GateCon, so we get to SGU represent. Yeah. At a 22-year-old convention now. Awesome. Uh, but you've already, already anticipated my next three questions, uh, which is you've done a ton of work in Vancouver and especially a ton of genre work. You said that it's, it's not anything particular about this genre or these types of roles that draws you. Is it just kind of what you end up with or? Yeah, it seems like, like it's, I get that question a lot. People are like, why did you choose that? And I'm like, because they offered it. Like, <laughs> I, I want to work, I have children to feed. <laughs> um, I mean, there are certain things, you know, there's certain criteria of, of things that I look for in roles, but I don't know what it is. I just sort of have attracted and drawn, and there's actually three or four roles that have overlapped that I've had to pass on because I've been on other shows, which were equally as like big and amazing and still genre-y. I, you know, I lived in LA for a long time and I just kept getting hired to come up here, so. Again, it was all coincidental, and I think maybe just for the for the greater good. I'm actually, um, I consider myself a director now, so I directed my first project last summer, and I'm really looking to transition um, purposefully into that medium of storytelling, and I have such a beautiful, supportive base here in Vancouver because I've done so much work here. It's so sweet, like a lot of shows I work on, People are like, oh my God, I worked with you when I was a PA on Smallville or, you know, and now they're like assistant directors or, you know, producers on shows. Um, my daughter just started acting and she was on a show and, uh, and she's like, people were coming up to me all the time like, I know your mom, I worked with her on this show. And I was like, oh yeah, boy. we have this beautiful community here. So yeah. it's nice. It's just, it's very homey and it is my hometown. So it's yeah. nice. Does your daughter have the bug? She does. So I'm, um, you know, we've moved into a different form of casting now with um, our audition process. So we do self tapes. And this started a few years ago. It's always, from what I understand, it's always been sort of the way Canada did things because they would submit their materials to like LA or New York. In LA, we would always just go into the room and you'd meet with the casting director. So then they started putting it on tape and then with COVID, now I don't think we'll ever go back into the office. So they just, you know, you shoot your audition at your house and during the pandemic, you know, I didn't see anybody. So my daughter would help me with my auditions. And so she had basically two years of acting school because I'd audition a few times a year, or a week rather, and, um, and she'd help me. So then I had a friend, we were on the phone, I was trying to get him to finance a film that I want to make and he's trying to get me to be in his film. And, uh, and he's like, wait, Denny, your kids act? And I was like, well, my daughter helps me all the time. She was in my short. And he's like, well, I need, I need you know, kids of this age and whatever. And so I was like, send us the script. And so she auditioned for it and he booked her. And so I told her, I was like, well, this is, we shot it in New Mexico last January. And I said, this is a great opportunity for you to see if you like this. Um, it was really long, grueling days. It was a small independent uh, movie. But it was great, Dean Cain played the lead, he played her dad, and it was just very professional set, and she's like, I love it. 
good, a good first experience for her. Totally. And then this year she tested for two shows. Um, she didn't get either one of them, but uh, but yeah, now she's working, guest starring, and whatever else. So yes, I have an actor in the family. Good. Well, I, I want to come back and ask you more about your, your directing project, but uh, let's shift back to SGU first. Sure. And it's 2008, early 2009, and the casting is coming down. Uh, how did you end up as TJ, and what, what drew you to the role other than, hey, it's a steady paycheck? Right, right. So I first auditioned, it was early December 2008, and I auditioned for TJ. And I was like, oh, she's cool. I like this chick. She's kind of, you know, she's got a little edge, and yet she had a lot of heart, a lot of compassion. So I just went in there, and I, you know, obviously they liked what I did. And then I got a call saying they wanted to test me. Uh, so that's the next phase where we negotiate money and contract and all that kind of stuff. But then when the test deal came through, they asked me to test for Chloe. And I was like, hmm, I don't, I don't think I'm a Chloe. But they were adamant that they wanted me to test for Chloe, and I prepped the material, and we negotiated our deal. I don't know if we had the pilot or we had like a synopsis, and it was that we were stuck on a plane, you know, on a ship, so we weren't going to have a lot of locations. And I was like thinking in my head, I had two little kids at the time, so I was like, that means we're on a studio show. That means we're going home at seven o'clock on a Friday, <laughs> and they're going to pay what I asked for. Sign me up. So when they offered Chloe, I was like, wow, okay, fine. And so I went in, I did the test, and I didn't like it. I didn't feel great about it. So I called my agent after, and she was like, how did it go? So I didn't, I didn't really feel good about it. I don't think I did a great job. Um, I'm not sure this is my job. So she called casting and the producers and said, you know, she really felt more comfortable with TJ. Would you guys let her read for TJ? And so I went back into the casting office the next day, which is me and the casting director, and did another TJ scene, um, just me and him. And then I got that job. So, and Elise is perfect, um, but they ended up hiring me, uh, I think it was um, like right before Christmas or maybe the week after Christmas, and then they couldn't announce me until I think February or March because they hadn't rounded out all of the casting. So I also kind of was like, oh, I got hired and I can't tell anybody. And, and it's a secret, yeah. They did and this big press release, but they didn't include me. This was more locked down than we were used to the, the PR folks at Bridge Studios and at MGM being with the launch of this show. And I think, I'm pretty sure they announced Robert Carlyle first, yeah. solo, and then they did a later full cast announcement. Yeah, excluding me, and they hadn't cast Elise yet. Okay. And then they did our press release a few weeks later with me, Elise, Ming, and Lou, um, which really impressed my mom. So it was worth it. She's like, oh, you're in TV Guide. She goes, did you know you're on a show with Ming Na and Lou Diamond Phillips? I was like, they're on my show, Mom. And then she thought it was really cool. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. That whole crew, boy, that, that, was a, that was a cast of actors. They went out and found people, I mean, nothing to disparage the other Stargate shows, but they went out and found people with chops. Yeah. Well, they wanted a drama piece, yeah. and um, I know it was different than the other Stargates. I, I didn't, you know, I don't have a reference point. I don't have a preference. I'm not biased in any way. So I, I really liked the writing on Universe. Um, I liked the serialized content that we all had a storyline. Um, and I think we were getting around to the sort of ease and like it's still the same writers to me. You know, if my favorite artist put out a new album, I would listen to it. 
because I support the artists. So I never understood where the angst and the animosity was towards the writers who brought you 17 or 15 years of your favorite show. It felt to me like, trust them. Give them you know, the respect that they've earned and the opportunity to create something. Because I think we did come around to what a lot of people were hoping or what was missing from their Stargate, the humor and the sort of um, the lightness of the previous Stargates. We didn't really have, but we were getting to it. And I think had we had more time, it would have, it would have woven itself in in a really nice organic way. And um, yeah, it would have been nice to experience. This show certainly grew into it. And I, I, I think that starting with 40 episodes, the writers just decided we're gonna use them. Yeah. We've got 40 episodes, we're gonna do a slow build. Yeah. Absolutely, to, to build on like a serialized um, storytelling, long form storytelling, which again, and this is the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. It was, it's a little premature for the streamers because I remember when Netflix first came out and was switching from their DVD format to a streamer, Stargate was on one of the lists that could be potential pickup because it was in the year after we were canceled that Netflix was doing pickups of shows. Mm -hmm. And I remember Brad saying he thought about you know, going, I don't know if he could have, but I remember him saying at one point, like he would love to have done it independently. We didn't know, we didn't have the word streamers at the time, but he's like, I thought about going to Apple and seeing if Apple would support us because really we didn't need sci-fi right. if, you know, two years later. And so it was just a little premature and I think it would have been the perfect environment to have a long form storytelling because what, what I think you notice, and this is kind of like technical with our, business, but what you notice now, storytelling is so much better in television because that middle tier movie, that 15 to $20 million movie, has now moved into serialized television. And there's, we know, we're not waiting for flyover states to tell us that they're happy with us or not to continue this storyline. So they're committing to great story and great storytelling. And it, and it shows up. Yeah, and the streamers are already finishing season two before season one is premiered. Yeah, so they're not waiting for you to tell them that they did good. Yeah. They're committing the, to it. SG was ahead of its time for sure. Absolutely. In a lot of respects, creatively and also in the, that sort of business of where stuff airs. And literally, they were like on the other side of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> they were way ahead. I don't know if that's ahead. Were they in the future? Not really. Tamara gets 40 episodes, so it's, it's not a full story arc for, for TJ. No. But uh, what, how do you reflect on her growth over those two years? I love TJ. TJ is really special to me. It was a really special time in my life personally, and I learned a lot from her. I always say um, my process for creating a character is really in the process of allowing, so I just like to be sort of a vessel for a character to come through me. And I always feel, um, Shonda Rhimes talks about this in her book, My Year of Yes. Uh, she talks about the, the writer, actor, character as a th sort of a thruple, and it's like, it all feeds off of each other, and I feel that way with um, TJ. So I show up, you know, with my idea of my interpretation of a pilot, which then inspires the writing to develop further. My pregnancy was a personal thing. I got pregnant in real life, and um, I really love the way that the storyline created empathy, and it was very wholesome for TJ. I feel like prior to that, her affair with Young was more for his story arc and what he was going through. And it sort of, I didn't ever want TJ to be like the adulteress and the one who, you know, the homewrecker. I, 
I wanted her to be somebody who genuinely fell in love with somebody that she felt vulnerable with. And so I think it softened her. N not that she was hard, but I think it gave her a lot of, it gave, it gave her you know, some soft edges and made her more palatable for um, maybe an audience that would have been offended by that. It was an initial tension between TJ and Young that looked like it wasn't gonna last the whole series, but by the time the pregnancy story comes along, I half forgot that it was even Colonel Young's baby. This was this was actually the way for TJ to to sort of figure out who she's going to be, and oh my goodness, how do I raise a child in this environment? Right, which is interesting because when I told the producers that I was pregnant, um, they were like, "Wow, this is a storyline we wanted to tell. Like, what would happen if you're pregnant on you know <laughs> a spaceship in the middle of nowhere? How do you you know a lost explored it with um, one of the characters that got, was pregnant when the plane crashed? And I think it is an interesting you know it's life, it's humanity. So I'm happy to have been. Uh, had that, you know, for my character. Yeah. I have been looking forward to talking to you about my favorite TJ episode, maybe my favorite episode of the series. It's a lot of people's favorite episodes. Carl Binder gave you a great gift with epilogue. Yeah. We haven't rewatched the show yet. We're watching through all of Stargate with our kids and we just started Atlantis, so we're gonna get there. I, I haven't seen the, the whole of epilogue in a while. But of course I, I do video content and all this stuff, so I go in and I, I dip into an episode and I grab clips mm. for a video. And so I end up clipping epilogue and it just, it sucks me in. The, the episode breaks me. Mm. I'm a 46 year old man. This episode breaks me over and over again. Would you talk about epilogue? Oh, Carl. Carl always wrote such beautiful, heartfelt moments. I love when Carl wrote for me. Um, you can tell when, you know, all the writers had different style and that's why they made such a great team. And there was always so much heart in these episodes and epilogue was, was so great for that. Um, Carl came to me before the episode was released and was like, hey, I'm, you know, telling this story. It's way in the future and your character has ALS. And I just want you to know if we go 20 seasons, we're not killing you. I just wanted to tell this story and I, I think you can do it. Yeah, I think it, it's like sort of the tragedy of TJ. Like, she just could never really get ahead, whether it was her education or her relationship with Young, and, and um, it was just sort of this like tragedy with her always. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't. She, in season two, she's, she's lost the baby, and then eight episodes later, she discovered that, that the baby was not actually rescued yeah. the way that she thought it might have been in visitation. And then something's starting up with Varro and there's a positivity and she's ready to move ahead and then this, yeah. this hits her. Yeah, it's just a cycle. She had a good run. <laughs> I have to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're, you're basically playing two TJs in this episode. Through, right. the, through the recording, the keynote footage, you're playing the TJ that has had this fate and it leads to so many beautiful moments on screen with the family with the kids, with Louie, yeah. uh, by the, the riverside. Yeah. What a shot by the riverside. Yeah, that was really pretty. Yeah, and then at the same time, you're, you're playing the contemporary, modern day TJ who's absorbing all of this. Yeah, I forgot about all this. Yeah. <laughs> you play, I mean, they're both full of emotion and heartbreak. Are they different? Yeah, I used to always get headaches, and I'm like, ah, oh, TJ's always crying, she's always upset about something. But again, like, 
there's so much of her experience that shaped me as a person. And, and I think she had so much grace in her um, discomfort that I personally learned a lot from because I think she was able to really weather a lot of storms with dignity. And I'm really proud of her for that. We need an audiobook or a novel or something that gives her a happily ever after. Yeah. Because she was sure put through the ringer. She was. I'm going to rewatch that. <laughs> yeah, you should. Uh, was it that foggy on set? I've just pictured the one by that, the river. That shot by the river where she's. she's it was with the early. Washtub. Yeah, it was early morning. Um, I was there, and it was like a long shot, and um, it was. Yeah, it was. They it was just enhance the fog digitally. No, no, it was it was all there, and it was it was really pretty, right? Like the the water was really calm, and um, it was such a subtle. Like, I mean, it was a one-eighth of a page. It was just a really subtle thing of her reacting and having that understanding. I remember getting in the van, actually, after we, we were, our base camp was somewhere else. So just me and um, Trisha, the, the makeup artist, got in the van to go down there. And we got in the van, and she was sitting beside me. And she goes, that was so good. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I think everyone felt that one. The whole crew was there. It was the first shot of the day that day. So it was just yeah. that early morning fog. Yeah. That misty morning, yeah. It's a, a really special episode that's full of really special moments like that. Yeah. And they just keep coming. Yeah. It was a beautiful episode. Well, what are you working on lately? You told us you're, you're shifting into directing. You want to tell us about the project you did last summer? Yes. So well, currently as an actor, um, I'm working on Riverdale. So I was on last season and we have one season coming up. It's, it's, we don't know if it's going to be a full season or, or how many episodes, but um, I'm hoping to continue on that. I have been pounding the door of the directing and um, I finally did a short last summer that I uh, I did the story as mine. I had it written. And I collaborated on the story. My daughter's in it. Um, it's really sweet. It's a little uh, short film called Oranges. And um, I just wanted a showpiece that I could show. I've applied for every director's program ever mm -hmm. <laughs> made. I haven't gotten into any, um, and I'm doing some shadowing. So I have a, a movie that's been greenlit that it keeps getting pushed. Uh, I was supposed to shoot it last January, and now it's looking like we're going to shoot it in December. So um, I'm hopeful that that's going to go through. And I feel like if I can just get something under my belt, then I can push forward. But like I said, I've got a beautiful community here. I have so many friends to call. Even even if they can't give me a shot, they can hold my hand and listen. And um, so I'm shadowing an episode of Kung Fu in a couple of weeks. And then I'll be shadowing an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger, in Austin uh, in early November. And, uh, and then my hope is that the studio will give me a shot. So okay. we'll see. It's exciting. Next time that we talk to you, you're going to be further down that road. I know. I hope so. You're going to tell us all about it. Yeah. But it's interesting, like, because you see people working and you just think, oh, it's just what they're doing. And you, you know, until you're in it, you don't, you don't realize it, it's a lot. Because I know people will look and be like, well, it was easy for her. I'm, it's not. Like, everyone said no to me. So I'm just, I'm, people will say no. And I'll be like, great, I'll call you again in a week. And I do. <laughs> like, I will pester everybody. I know so many executives. I know so many showrunners. And um, so you would think it would be easy, but it's not. You know, you still have to prove yourself. You still have to show up. You have to be persistent. Uh, yeah, and then you have to be good. So um, 
yeah, it's just it's it's also just right now a passion of mine, um, and something I feel as I get older I have more to say. Well, I remember being on Stargate and we do all these press junkets and people were like, do you want to produce? Do you want to direct? Do you want to write? And I was like, no. But at the time I had three small children and I was nurturing a, a failing marriage and I was a lead on a show. Like I didn't have the capacity. And now my kids are a little bit older and I'm divorced and I have I have 12 more years of storytelling behind under my belt. So I feel now I step on set with newish directors and I can see a lot of holes. And I'm like, oh, I'd make up 20 minutes there and I wouldn't, I would have shot, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I just feel like, oh, I, I I have the experience and I have the passion, which is nice. Well, Netflix wasn't there for us, for SGU in 2010, 2011. Uh, but Amazon owns MGM now. We're waiting for them to sort of finish crossing their T's and dotting their I's and deciding what they're going to do with Stargate. Are you game if Amazon calls? Oh yeah, I would be thrilled. Stargate Universe was a very special time in my life. It was a great job, a great community. I remember meeting Amanda for the first time, the first day I walked into the office and she shook my hand, she gave me a hug and she's like, you are in for a hell of a ride. And um, her and I are still great friends. Like, it's very special. And it's, a, it's something that's touched a worldwide community. So I, I hope for the fans that there's more Stargate. It's a great story. And like, technology's finally caught up with the story. Yeah, right. So we can tell it in such a profound way now. So I want to direct when you guys start making it. <laughs> I put my, you know, my name in the hat at Amazon. Good. Let's do it. We'll make sure it happens. Season one of the new SG show. Yeah. Directed by Elaine Huffman. It would be really cool to even have like all the crossovers. I mean, I think any every I I wonder how many people have said no to that question. I feel like mm. everybody would be like, yeah, I'd love to play. Well, it yeah. seems like everybody on your show had such a positive experience and really bonded yeah. over your time together. Yeah, we were really good friends. We still are. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy your convention. Thanks Thank for you. chatting with us. Thank you.